As you're turning there, I'm going to uh, get us hooked up here. I wanted to remind you uh, okay, there we go. Are you guys off back there? Are you off? Okay, I need you to go off of it. If I can. There we go. There we go. Okay. Good. Okay, we're up and good to go. All right. I believe it is this, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong on this. Is that this Saturday is the pro-life rally on the steps of the Columbia, the Capitol building in Columbia. <laughs> Representative Harris is sponsoring that along with several others. And uh, what time is that? 11 a.m. 11. Okay, 11 a.m. this Saturday in Columbia. And I know that uh, the, the likelihood of any of us being able to be there, especially as you li live in South Carolina, is, is uh, probably not possible. But let me encourage you to be praying about that, uh, the pro-life rally there on uh, in Columbia at the, at the Capitol building. Representative Harris and uh, several others are involved in sponsoring that and uh, just taking a biblical stand for the life of unborn children. So be in prayer for that. Uh, the book of Leviticus, and turn if you would to chapter number 19, Leviticus chapter 19. And uh, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. I'm saying, kind of saying this with my tongue firmly implanted in the side of my cheek. But how many of you would say that if you really needed some reading to keep you awake as far as the Bible, you would pick the book of Leviticus, okay? Uh, that being said, I know I am teasing a little bit about that. Brother Larry shared with me a commentary, and I had heard of it before. Uh, it's by Andrew Bonar, isn't that right? Is that the... the uh, okay, there's that one, and then I think Andrew, one of the Bonars, wrote a commentary on Leviticus, and it really follows in the mold of what C.H. Spurgeon said years ago, take a text and make a beeline for the cross, and I'm going to try and keep that in mind for all of us this evening as we uh, take the next half hour or so and look at the book of Leviticus. And uh, there will, I, I trust, be some helpful uh, perspective and information that will be given to you. And I would encourage you to either obviously take good notes or to refer back to this the next time you read through the book of Leviticus and uh, use the basic framework that uh, you're going to see this evening in the keynote presentation to help you better understand of the, the book of Leviticus. Notice, if you would, Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 1 and 2. And this is really what we could call a thematic verse of the book, verse number 2, and I'll mention this a little further on in the notes too, but I wanted to begin here. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto all the congregation of Israel, and say unto them, Ye shall be holy, for I, the Lord, your God, am holy. And in that verse, verse number two, we're really given one of the main themes of the book of Leviticus, and that is that the holiness of God is to be reflected in the holiness of his people. And uh, some significant and specific applications as it relates to the children of Israel, their sacrificial system, their feast system, as well the Levitical system. But also, you remember in First Peter the instruction is given to New Testament believers as Gentile believers, not as Jewish Old Testament saints, but this principle of holiness that we are to be holy and pursue holiness in our own lives because the Lord our God is holy. And 
we're going to talk about that more and a little bit of the idea as well as what it means to be holy. Let's begin with a word of prayer. Father, as we consider uh, this Old Testament book and the next little bit together tonight before we go to prayer, I pray that you would challenge us. I pray that we'd learn more about your character. I pray that uh, our gratitude for the fulfillment of the Old Testament sacrificial system that is given in such detail in the book of Leviticus, I pray that the fulfillment of that in the one-time sacrifice of Christ would uh, be a, a thrill again to our hearts that uh, the, the, the price has been paid once for all and there is not the need for this daily recurring of the sacrifice and that the blood of bulls and goats could never take away sin and that the Old Testament system was a shadow of things to come and was meant to point people to the one-time sacrifice of the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that we look back over 2,000 years of history by faith upon His finished work, I pray that our hearts would be stirred all the more to gratitude even as we consider a little bit of what it was for Old Testament saints to look 1,400 years into the future from their perspective uh, in the wilderness of Sinai and then as they occupied the land of Canaan and looking for, longing for uh, the one-time sacrifice of Christ to come. And uh, Lord, we are grateful for the, the wholeness of the Word of God and I pray that our hearts would be encouraged and strengthened further by what we see tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. I wanted to show you this. I went ahead and put it in here because I mentioned that I would show it to you. And here is a picture of the piece of property that was purchased for the planting of the new church in Anon when Josh and Katie Pate get to Ivory Coast. The site, the future site of the church in Anna. I don't know French but I can decipher enough to see the word site, and I have no idea how you pronounce that in French. Future Eglise is church and Anna. But uh, here's a picture of it. Uh, I don't know how clearly you can see it, but Josh tells me that the city of Abidjan is here in the background, which is the main city. You can see a body of water here, and then this very nice piece of land here that God has now provided for them that was actually better than the piece they were looking to purchase from the doctor. So all God's people said, amen. amen. And thank you again so much for your faithful and sacrificial giving to help make that a reality. Just a brief review here, the bookcase of five, the Pentateuch, uh, Genesis, the foundation of all things, and the fathers of the faith, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Judah, and Joseph. We looked last week at the book of Exodus, which was the uh, historical narrative of the formation of the nation of Israel. And uh, we'll uh, look at the subpoints of that here in just a moment. Leviticus tonight details the function of the nation of Israel as it relates to the Levitical priesthood, the sacrificial system, the eight feasts that uh, centered in the calendar of the Jewish uh, year. And so we'll look at those briefly and the significance of some of those. The book of Numbers that we'll consider, Lord willing, next week uh, 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 recounts the failures of the nation of Israel to the 40-year wilderness wandering because of their unbelief and disobeying God when it came to Kadesh Barnea and the Deuteronomy, the future of the nation of Israel. And I repeat these just because getting them in your mind and repeating them and see, hearing them repeated will help you in conversation. It will help us as it relates to even when we're witnessing, discussing the purposes of the Bible 
and uh, just a, a more familiar knowledge of the scriptures. So the review thus far, Genesis, the book of beginnings, uh, two main uh, points as we divide that with an outline, the foundation of all things, chapters 1 to 11, and then the fathers of the family, the fathers of the faith, Genesis 12 to 50, the book of Exodus, the way out, and two uh, subpoints there. Remember, the first 18 chapters recounted the exodus through redemption, and the redemption of God was accomplished through two things. Does anybody remember what they are? Two, uh, two things accomplished redemption or were accomplished through redemption. Anybody remember? Redemption was accomplished by blood and power. Blood and power. The blood of the Passover lamb and the power of God. And remember, all of the power that was displayed in the ten plagues and the parting of the Red Sea. And then, chapters 19 to 40 in the book of Exodus, the establishment of the nation, particularly around a system of laws, just like the United States or any other country, is in theory founded around a constitution and a set of laws. The nation of Israel was founded around a set of laws at the base of Mount Sinai, the Ten Commandments, then with their 613 um, commentaries or expansions or applications, if you would. This evening, uh, we'll look at the book of Leviticus. I wanted to put this map in here. Now, let me just preface by saying, some of you have probably watched scholarly videos that have purported that the, uh, that the Exodus, actually, this was the, the crossing of the Red Sea, the Gulf of Aqaba, instead of the Suez, and that the Midianite wilderness over here, and there's a theory that maybe Mount, is it Jubal Mesa or something like that? Sinai is over here instead of down here. So just bear with this map, okay? All right, bear with the map. You can see, uh, but the, the point I'm showing here is this, is to show that in a very short amount of time, they left Egypt and came to the base of Mount Sinai within three months of leaving Egypt. Okay, the Exodus, within three months, they're at the base of Mount Sinai. Look at chapter number one. In verse number 1, chapter number 1, in verse number 1, And the Lord called unto Moses and spake unto him out of the tabernacle of the congregation of Israel, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel. So the tabernacle has been set up, okay, and so that's something of the setting here, and we'll flush this out here in just a moment, but God launches immediately into instruction about the sacrifices but Moses begins in the tabernacle, and then jump forward to Leviticus, I believe it's chapter number 26, let me, okay, I'm, well, I tell you what, uh, look at verse number 46, chapter 26 and verse number 46. These are the statutes and judgments and laws. So we're coming to the end of the book, and here's the summary. We begin with Moses in the tabernacle. The summary of the book is these are the statutes and judgments and laws which the Lord made between him and the children of Israel. Notice this, in Mount Sinai by the hand of Moses. So they were at the base of Mount Sinai within three months of coming out of Egypt. The tabernacle is set up under instruction that was given in the book of Exodus. And now God is giving specific instruction in the book of Leviticus. The book of Leviticus, the, the literal idea is matters or those things which pertain to the Levites. That's what the word Leviticus means. Now, I've titled this, this study tonight as it relates to the book of Leviticus, Leviticus, a handbook on holiness. 
A handbook on holiness, obviously with a primary interpretation as it relates to the children of Israel in their Old Testament dispensation, but there are still principles of holiness and the character of God that we as New Testament saints can draw from. The theme of the book of Leviticus could be stated in this way, the holiness of God reflected in his people before a watching world. God gave standards that were unique to the children of Israel in the Levitical system to set them apart, to make a difference, and we'll see that in a moment, to make a distinction between them and all the Canaanite nations, the Egyptian nations, to make a difference, to set them apart. And that's one of the meanings of the word holiness. So the holiness of God reflected in his people before a watching world. While we as New Testament saints are not under the Old Testament law, the Old Testament Mosaic dispensation, and many of the specific applications that are taught as far as we're applicable to the nation of Israel are not applicable to us, the principle of holiness still stands. And that is this, is that God wants to reflect his holiness through the holiness of his people before a watching world. There needs to be a difference between the people of God and the people of the world. Okay. Regardless of the dispensation... We've uh, talked about the key verse already, Leviticus chapter 19 and verse number 2. Look at these other verses just to see the, the prevalence of the th- several of these themes, in particular the theme of holiness. Look at Leviticus chapter 11 and verse number 44. For I am the Lord your God. Ye shall therefore sanctify yourselves. Be set apart, sanctify yourselves, and ye shall be holy, for I am holy. Neither shall ye defile yourselves with any manner of creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. For I am the Lord that bringeth you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. Ye shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. And notice one of God's claims to uh, demanding, requiring holiness in his people is that he's the one that redeemed them. I'm the one that brought you up. Because I redeemed you, be holy. Okay? And uh, that principle applies to us. I am to desire to pursue, to cooperate with God's work of holiness in my life, even as a New Testament believer, because Jesus saved me, okay, because I've been redeemed. And we'll expand on that in a little bit as well. Notice Leviticus chapter 20, and and we'll tie this together here in a few other uh, pages uh, on the keynote. Leviticus chapter 20 and verses 7 and 8 Sanctify yourselves, therefore, and be ye holy, for I am the Lord your God, and ye shall keep my statutes and do them. I am the Lord which sanctify you. And notice chapter 20 and verse 26, and ye shall be holy unto me, for I, the Lord, am holy, and have severed you, separated you from other people, that ye should be mine. The word holy appears a whopping 94 times in the book of Leviticus, in your King James Version. 94 times. Uh, Any questions about that being a main thought in the book of Leviticus? If a word appears 94 times in 27 chapters. Interestingly enough, and I don't remember the source that I found this in uh, when I first did this research... But the book of Leviticus, according to one resource that I found, said that the first Old Testament book that Jews taught their children to read from was the book of Leviticus. 
McGuffey's reader was very foundational in our country, but I have a feeling that's child's play compared to teaching your kids to read by the book of Leviticus. Okay. Um, and in Hebrew, no less, uh, I have been teaching uh, in the foundations class on why we use the King James Version here at Crossroads. And it was fascinating to me to be reminded of the fact that one of the translators, the 54 translators on the committees that uh, gave us the King James Version in 1611, one of the translators could read fluently out of the Hebrew Old Testament when he was five. Anyway, this is about the book of Leviticus, so we better keep moving. Uh, Here are just some introductory thoughts. The time and location, I've already touched on this. It's at the base of Mount Sinai, just after the Exodus, about three months from the date of leaving uh, Egypt. More than any other book of the Bible, Leviticus contains the very spoken words of God. If your Old Testament had red letters like the New Testament does the book of Leviticus would nearly be completely read. Uh, You saw this in chapter number 19. If you're still in chapter 20, look back at chapter number 19. As a matter of fact, chapter 20 begins the same way. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying... Look at chapter number 20. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying... Look at chapter 21. And the Lord said unto Moses... 20 of 27 chapters in the book of Leviticus begin with a formula similar to that. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying... And then it would carry on with this long quote of what God was saying in his instructions to the people of Israel. Plus, 35 additional paragraphs begin uh, within chapters, begin with, and the Lord spake unto Moses, saying... There's very little historical info that's given... In the book of Leviticus, uh, most of it is functional. And that's why when we give the outline at the beginning, Genesis, the foundation, and the fathers, and Exodus, the formation of the nation, we use the word function. It's talking about the day-in and day-out function of the Levitical system in the nation of Israel. Uh, Why is this book so important? Because of the vital content of Leviticus. Here are two Main points that really, just as we've done with Genesis and Exodus, that subdivide the book of Leviticus. It's so important because really through the sacrificial system, it details how the children of Israel, through the mediation of the priest and through the sacrificial system, approached God. And it's very detailed. And so approaching God could be uh, the content, seen as the content of the first 16 chapters, And then once you get there, how do you stay in His presence? Abiding in the presence of God. And let me go ahead and get you to think about this. Remember the verse in Hebrews chapter number 12, that without holiness, no man shall what? See the Lord. Without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. And so as we look at the book of Leviticus, chapters 1 to 16, through the instructions about the sacrificial system, Give man the Old Testament Jew, they gave the Old Testament Jew information about how to approach God on God's described grounds. And then chapter 17 to 27 through the feasts and the other instructions that God gives to his people how to abide in the presence of the Lord. So approaching God, Leviticus 1 to 16. Personally, they, uh, the individual Jew could approach the Lord through five sacrifice offerings. And these are detailed in chapters 1 to 7. Go back to chapter 1, if you would. 
Now, don't worry, we're not going to go in detail through all seven chapters here. But you can see verse number three, chapter number one, and a verse number, actually we could back up to verse number two. Speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them, If any man of you bring an offering unto the Lord, you shall bring your offering of the cattle, even of the herd and of the flock. And then he says this, If his offering be a burnt offering of the herd... And notice, if you would, uh, chapter number 2 and verse number 1, when any will offer a meat offering unto the Lord. And so he talks about these different kinds of offerings in seven chapters. He gives details on the five offerings of the Old Testament system. Uh, The first is the burnt offering, chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. The word burnt speaks of uh, the idea of an olam offering, Uh, An ascending offering, the smoke of it would ascend to the Lord, and it was symbolic of full surrender. So when an individual would bring a burnt offering to the Lord, the main uh, lesson, the main symbolism was a testimony of full surrender. The meat offering, chapter 2, verses 1 through 6, was symbolic of the individual Jew offering joyfully of the possessions that they had. When crops would come in uh, and the the meats that they had, they would offer those, and it was a joyful offering of the possessions that they had. The peace offering, chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. The peace offering would often be offered after, interestingly enough, after a sin offering to show that peace was now acknowledged because sin had been dealt with. And then uh, the sin offering, this was the individual, the symbolic of the individual redemption of the person, the individual believer that would bring this sin offering. And then the fifth sin offering, the trespass offering, this was for specific offenses. I'm not going to go into great detail tonight, but let me mention just a few things here. And I had a discussion recently uh, with some friends about this, that they had heard someone say that, that it was actually in the Old Testament sacrificial system that people were saved, and if they quit being involved in it, that they lost their salvation. Um, I will just say this. I, I have some problems with that. Okay? The Old Testament sacrificial system was not the means of salvation. If you believe that, then you have two problems. Number one, you have a a system of works salvation. And secondly, if you believe that, not only you have a system of works salvation, but you also have a different way of getting saved in the Old Testament than you do in the New Testament. That is directly contradictory to Romans 4 and 5, where the Apostle Paul specifically mentions Abraham and how Abraham was saved and how David was saved. That those men believed God and it was imputed or counted to them for what? Righteousness. It was faith in the word of God that saves the individual in the Old Testament and it's faith in the word of God as it is it is reported to us through the fin- about the finished work of Christ. It is faith in the word of God that saves the New Testament individual, if you would, as well. Okay. So, question is, then, what was the purpose of the Old Testament system? If it didn't save, what's the purpose? Among a number of reasons, let me just briefly give you three, if you want to jot these down. I don't have them in the notes, okay? One of the purposes of the Old Testament 
sacrificial system, okay? And you have to think about, and, and, and I get a little nervous, and I understand there were things that the Old Testament saint didn't know that we know. But I get a little nervous when I hear some Bible teachers almost treat Old Testament saints like they were Neanderthals. Like they were just kind of oh, stumbling around. Okay? I want you to think about some indications that were given in the Old Testament. Okay? A, a good Jew would have known that the final sacrifice was promised to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden as the seed of woman. Okay. Furthermore, a good Jew would have known what God said to Abraham in Genesis 22 on Mount Moriah, that God will provide himself a lamb. Okay. So let's give... Let's give those Old Testament saints some credit for some things that they would have known. And especially since the Bible makes it clear Abraham was saved by faith, Old Testament saints were saved by faith. Okay. Um, I had another thought fly through my mind, but let me just mention, let me just mention this. Okay. First of all, I think one of the purposes of the Old Testament system was to prove on a regular basis and keep before the Old Testament Jew their sinfulness. The shedding of blood, the shedding of blood was the penalty for sin. Okay? You with me? The wages of sin is death. Okay? To keep before them the reminder of their sin. Secondly, I think as well, to give them a picture of the atonement. The word atonement in the Old Testament context by definition means to cover. In the Old Testament, it's been said there was a covering. In the New Testament, expiation or washing away. Okay. So there was something of an Old Testament temporary covering, but get this, with the ultimate purpose in the sacrificial system of pointing the Old Testament believer forward in faith to Christ on a cross. Okay. The lamb, the one lamb, the lamb of God who would come, the seed of woman that God would provide as his lamb. Okay. And uh, there was enough information from these Old Testament saints, and you look at some of the things the prophets said as well, and, and they were looking forward to the coming Messiah. So let's, let's give them credit, okay? And anyway, as it relates to the Old Testament principle of how a person was saved, there's no inconsistency with the New Testament. By the way, another common statement, Old Testament and New Testament, the just or the ones justified or the ones righteous, the just shall live by what? Faith. Okay. So uh, anyway, the sacrificial system, symbolic looking forward, and then approaching God nationally on the Day of Atonement, when the nation would come together and the high priest would, for the, the sake of uh, himself and for the sake of the other priests and then for the sake of the nation, would offer, uh, would sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat uh, in hopes and faith that it would be accepted by God. And then the second half of the book of Leviticus, uh, these thoughts here on abiding in the presence of God, the second half of Leviticus centers around the eight feasts of Jewish life 
that are regulated and given in detail in chapter 23. Uh, Remember, there were three of these feasts that the Jewish males were required to come to, to attend. No matter where they lived, three times a year, these Jewish males had to come, every Jewish male had to come to Israel, or to Jerusalem for these feasts. Uh, In these chapters here, and I'm just going to, for the sake of time, uh, you can write down these references or go back and look at these as we talk about abiding in the presence of God and the calendar, the annual calendar of the nation of Israel centering around these eight feasts. Uh, There's this important step of preparing to feast and steps that God had the nation of Israel, the Jews, go through in order to, can I say, come to the table clean. Okay, How many of you moms, when the kids would come in from playing, look at the hands, check the hands, go wash your hands, wash your face before you come to the table. God, as the father of the nation of Israel, Put in place expectations, requirements for his people before you come into my presence and worship me. These are some criteria I want you to meet. Okay, And by the way, I think that's an important application for us as New Testament believers. I think in preparing to come to the services of the local church, I think there are some things we need to prepare for. Prepare our hearts and make sure that our minds and hearts are not cluttered up with the, the junk and the garbage of this world. There are some things we need to clean away, cull away, so we can come into the presence of the Lord and prepare to feast. And then partaking of the feasts in chapter number 23. A lot of details given as it relates to these eight feasts. Let me just briefly run through these and then we'll make a few concluding considerations. Uh, Every week, of course, uh, and you can see chapter 23, verses 1 through 3. It's a key chapter in the book of Leviticus as it relates to these eight feasts. The Sabbath was the weekly day of rest on Saturday, and uh, the Jews were obligated to honor that. The Passover took place on the 14th day of the first month, and it was begun... Chapter 23, verses 4 and 5, and then we can go back to the book of Exodus. It was begun at the beginning of the new Jewish year when God formed them as a nation. You remember that from Exodus chapter 12, 13, and 14. And the significance of Passover was a testimony of their redemption, God delivering them by power and blood out of Egyptian bondage. And this was the 14th day of the first month. Remember, the lamb that would be sacrificed had to be set aside on the 10th day and observed to make sure that it was clean and spotless. All of this, as you can see, pointing the eye of the Old Testament saint to the future, looking for the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, The Feast of Unleavened Bread, and this was the 15th to the 21st. It was closely in conjunction with the, uh, the the Passover. And the symbolism, the significance of the unleavened Feast of Unleavened Bread. You remember the children of Israel didn't leaven their bread because they were leaving Egypt in haste. And so there was the thought of affliction because of the bondage of Egypt. And then there was the haste in leaving, fleeing. And what a picture for us. The, the affliction of the slavery of sin in this world. And let's get out of here. Okay. And if it means no leaven in your bread, then let's get out of here. Of course, leaven in the scripture is a picture of sin as well. The fourth feast was the feast of first fruits. And it was instituted once the children of Israel got into Canaan land. And it actually coincided with the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Look, if you would, at Leviticus chapter 23. And I think this is fairly early in uh, the... In uh, Leviticus chapter 23... Yes, verse number 19... Or verse number 9, sorry. Leviticus chapter... Leviticus... 
got my tang tongue around my eye tooth and couldn't see what I was saying. Leviticus chapter 23 and verse number 9. Notice when this feast is instituted. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When ye be come into the land which I give unto you, and shall reap the harvest thereof, then ye shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest unto the priest. Okay? And this was a, a testimony of God's bringing them into the promised land, the crops that they would experience the bounty of in the land flowing with milk and honey, and a testimony of their gratitude to God's provision for them after the wilderness wandering. The Feast of Weeks, now notice that this is 50 days after the day of Pentecost. The Feast of Weeks in Old Testament Israel uh, was significant in that it reminded them of the giving of the Mosaic Covenant at the Mount Sinai. Remember, you got 50 days. It's roughly equivalent to the period of time from the coming out of Egypt to the base of Mount Sinai when God would give them the law. Now, here's what is significant as we think about New Testament New Testament calendar, the Feast of Weeks, 50 days after Passover, uh, took place on what we call Pentecost. The giving of the Mosaic Law was the formation of the nation of Israel at the base of Mount Sinai. Okay, that's the Feast of Weeks. Coincides with Pentecost, 50 days after Passover, which is the recognition, Pentecost is the recognition of God's beginning of a, another institution, the church. Okay. So the significance of the Feast of Weeks and the Feast of Pentecost or Pentecost. Sixthly, the Feast of Trumpets. Now we've moved to the seventh month. Notice that the, the, the Feasts of Israel center in two months. The first month primarily, and then the seventh month, the Feast of Trumpets. Uh, the first day of the seventh month, its significance was to announce the Day of Atonement, to prepare people to deal with their sin and to meet God as a nation uh, for this symbolic day of their atonement, the covering of their sin. And then the seventh, the Day of Atonement, this is the celebration of the National Atonement, obviously all of it looking forward to the once-for-all sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ, and then the eighth feast, the Feast of Tabernacles, the in-gathering. This was a feast of celebration that recognized God's provision for the nation of Israel in the wilderness wandering. Uh, so you can see the, the sacrificial system and the feasts, uh, the significance of these, and the function of the whole calendar and the life of the Old Testament saints. Now, as we think about the theme of holiness, let me just give you five reasons for holiness, and I'm going to wind this down, and then we'll go to prayer. When God is giving his reasons for his requirement, his expectation for holiness in the lives of his people, we've already read Leviticus 11, 44, and 45. When God's giving reasons for holiness, number one is because I redeemed you. Okay, If it wasn't for the Lord's redemption, they would still be in bondage in Egypt. And God redeemed them and therefore had every expectation, every right to say, now be holy because I redeemed you. And he says to you and me, I redeemed you from the bondage of sin, be holy. Okay. Secondly, we're to be holy. It's the same for the Old Testament saints because God is holy. We're his children. We're to reflect his holiness. Thirdly, we're to be holy because of God's dwelling among us. And these are applications for us, just as they were in the lives of the Old Testament saints. Because God dwelt among the people in the camp, he expected holiness of them. 
And because God, listen, lives, you and I are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Okay. And so we should be holy because the Holy Ghost lives inside of us. And then because God is reflected in the difference in our lives. Notice if you would just quickly, Leviticus chapter 10 and verse number 10. Leviticus chapter 10 and verse number 10. And God's giving commands here and instructions. The reason he's asking them to do this, verse number 10 of Leviticus 10, and that ye may put, what's the word? Difference. Between holy and unholy. Between unclean and clean. Notice, if you would, chapter 11, verse number 47. Chapter 11, verse number 47. God's giving these laws, these instructions, verse 47, to make a difference between the unclean and the clean, and between the beast that may be eaten and the beast that may not be eaten. So even in the dietary laws of the Old Testament nation of Israel, it was to put a difference between them and the uh, Canaanites and the Egyptians. By the way, are those dietary laws still in place? Acts chapter number 10. Okay, those have been removed. And I'm glad for that. Leviticus chapter 20, verses 22 to 26. They fulfilled their purpose in preserving the nation of Israel, keeping them distinct. Notice, if you would, Leviticus chapter 20. And let me find verse number 20, um, 22. Blind or broken? Um, am I looking? Oh, I'm in the wrong chapter. Leviticus chapter 20. I was in 22. Hang on just a second. Leviticus chapter 20. Verse number 22, you shall therefore keep all my statutes and all my judgments and do them that the land whither I bring you to dwell therein spew you not out. And you shall not walk in the manners of the nations which I cast out before you. For they committed all these things and therefore I abhorred them. But I have said unto you, ye shall inherit their land and I will give it unto you to possess it, a land that floweth with milk and honey. I am the Lord your God, which have separated you from other people. Ye shall therefore put difference. So we're seeing this recurring theme because God's holiness is reflected in the difference of his people. And then chapter 26, verses 1 to 13, another reason for holiness is because God blesses righteousness. Okay, he blesses righteousness. And then just perspective of the New Testament saint before we go to prayer tonight. Uh, some gratitude that we can have as a New Testament saint, even as we think on the book of Leviticus. The first is this. Aren't you glad that your approach to the Lord and abiding His presence are all accomplished in the work of Christ? Okay. That three times a year we all don't have to travel to Jerusalem or the capital or whatever. And that every time we sin, we don't have to take a sacrifice to the priest. We can, on the merits of the one-time sacrifice of Jesus Christ, we can go directly to the Lord ourselves. And if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from how much unrighteousness all unrighteousness. And so when I hear somebody say, I wish we lived back in those old days, I'm like, I'm not sure about that. Okay. So my approach to the Lord and abiding in his presence, it's all accomplished in Christ. Okay. My holiness is not just a requirement and a response, but it's also a reflection of the character of God. It's a reflection of the character of God and his work in me. One of the greatest testimonies to a watching world that the, the work of salvation through the finished work of Christ is for real 
is through the ongoing sanctification and Christ-likeness taking place in the believer's life. Okay. And then this, Hebrews 12 and verse number 14, without holiness, or no man shall see the Lord. Another significant importance of holiness is that holiness unclouds, unclutters my spiritual vision so that I can have unhindered communion with the Lord. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for these reminders tonight. Above all, we thank you for the finished work of Christ that is guaranteed, that secured our approach. And we are so much in the presence of the Lord that the Spirit of God lives within us and is the seal of our salvation and is our constant communication and available in that way with you through the Spirit of God. And so we're grateful for what we have as New Testament saints, and yet we also, in gratitude, look back on those who've gone before us and their faith with much less than we have. What a wonderful testimony Hebrews 11 records of those Old Testament saints living in faith as they did with much less than we have. So God, help us to understand the significance, the Bible basis for holiness because God is holy, because we've been redeemed, because we have the privilege to reflect His character, because there needs to be a difference between us and the world for the sake of testifying of the Lord and His reality. And so God, I pray that we would walk away with these lessons in our hearts tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.